Good morning. It's so nice to see you all. We're coming to you from Hokyoji Zen Practice Community in the southeastern tip of Minnesota. And we are in the fifth day of a five-day retreat down here. And we've got 20-some people here in the Zendo. And uh, it's great to be here. And then we have uh, people in the Zendo in Minneapolis. I can see you on the screen here. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. I think you're watching me on the big screen. Thanks for holding down the fort. Um, can someone later check the new grass in the backyard and make sure it's <laughs> not too dry? I kind of miss my grass being down here. And then uh, we've got a lot of people on Zoom, and it's great to see you all, including the little group that uh, meets by the lake every week to watch the lecture. Hi, Jesse and everybody. Nice to see you. And uh, so I think this is the first time this has happened. We have three formats going here at one time. Three formats, one sangha. Uh, lest we feel estranged from one another, I'm going to ask everyone to spread your arms wide like this, stay seated, lean forward, we're going to do, we're going to do a group hug here. <laughs> Everybody ready? Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Okay. A couple of you were holding back. We're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do it again. Come on, come on, come on in. Come on, everybody. Come on in. All right. Whew, that was excellent. So this week, um, Ben and I have been talking about the Heart Sutra in our lectures here in the retreat. And we wanted to find kind of a fresh uh, angle, uh, a fresh take on the Heart Sutra. Um, and to some of you, the Heart Sutra is probably a new thing, uh, but to many of you, it is not a new thing at all. Um, you're probably very familiar with it. We've been chanting the Heart Sutra probably five days a week for close to 50 years at MZMC. And we've had innumerable classes and lectures and discussions on it. I've taught the Heart Sutra as a five or six week course, probably three different times myself. So why hear about it again? Well, uh, what we've been emphasizing is direct experience. Here, now, this. Trying to get beyond the words of the Heart Sutra to get to what it is pointing to. So breaking through uh, the words. And maybe a way to explain this. Um, you know, down here at Hokyoji, the food's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. And food can loom large in retreat. You spend most of your day staring at a wall. And what do you have to look forward to? Food. And the second day, um, I think it was, no, I think it was the first full day, we had these potatoes. And you know, I've never met a potato I didn't like. I like potatoes in all forms, anything you can get. But these potatoes, they were pretty simple. 
um, you take a, a, a red potato and you, you chop it up in little cubes and put some kind of, uh, put some grapeseed oil on it and some herbs and you put it in the oven and you bake it. Pretty simple. But they were just really done just right and they tasted so good. The texture was just perfect, you know, kind of chewy on the outside and kind of uh, soft on the inside, that contrast when you bite into them. And the flavor was just fantastic. And just this slight hint of kind of junk food because you got the oil in there. <laughs> as close as we're going to get to junk food down here. And they were really hot, you know. And so they were really good. I really enjoyed those uh, potatoes. And it occurred to me that if you're going to make potatoes like that, you have to really pay attention to the potatoes. You have to pay attention to the food. You really have to be there. Because I think you have to get just the right amount of oil and just the right amount of herbs and the right combination of herbs. And you've got to bake it at precisely the right amount of time. That's probably the biggest thing. You have to be really right there. And a more kind of a pedestrian way of cooking is you really pay attention to the recipe. You're really reading the recipe and you want to get it exactly right. And you're doing the stuff over here and you're paying attention to the recipe. And when you do that, you know, you're going to miss some nuances. You're going to miss a few things that you can only get by being there with the food and watching it, getting it out at exactly the right moment. So real cooking, I think, is it's like alchemy. It's like it's like magic. There's something there that you can't get from the recipe. Um, and I think we can be a little pedestrian about the Heart Sutra because it's like a recipe, right? This is how to cook your life. Uh, uh, it's, it's a recipe for how to do Zen practice. And if we're always looking at the recipe, but not really looking at our practice, we're going to miss some stuff. We have to get beyond the words. The words are helpful. The words are helpful. But, you know, if you make the dish enough times, you can forget the recipe entirely and you're just over here. So that's what we've been talking about, this realm of magic, this realm of magic where you punch through the words, you get past the words, and you're just here because all of those words of the Heart Sutra, all of the words of the Prajna Paramita Sutras, of which it's a distillation, all of the Buddha's teachings, all of that just points to one thing, and that's this right here, right now. So we need to go, in Zen, we need to go beyond our normal ways of understanding, beyond our normal beliefs about how things happen. And so, as Ben said, the Heart Sutra is a magical incantation. And also, as Ben said, I quote him a lot, and I forget which things he said and which things I said. Um, you may say, you know, wait a minute. That's kind of, I kind of came to Zen to get away from that magic stuff. You know, I kind of came here because I wanted a secular or a rational uh, kind of spirituality. Um, but I beg your patience with this. 
I'm not really uh, relying on the supernatural in any way. I'm not trying to get things with uh, magical spells. I'm saying we need to open our minds to new ways of thinking. And we have to do this in Zen, because what happens in Zen is not what happens when we're building something or reading a recipe. It's something that happens like that, and we can't understand what it is until it happens. It's magic. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, the Heart Sutra to you. And uh, this is a version that I got from um, Roger Jackson, who um, is a, a retired professor from Carleton College who taught Buddhism there, and he's a good friend of mine. And we chanted this many times at the Northfield Buddhist uh, Meditation Center, so I'm kind of familiar with it. And it's in Sanskrit. And um, I chanted it enough times that I feel I can do it without doing it too badly. I'm sure I will miss some nuances and things, so forgive my mispronunciations, but uh, I'll do my best. And you may ask, why read it in Sanskrit? Why not read it in English? Uh, well, for one thing, Sanskrit is a beautiful language. And for another, I actually prefer chanting the Heart Sutra in a language I don't understand, because it frees me from thinking about the meaning of the words and the spirit comes through. Arya Prajnya Paramita Hridaya Sutra Om Namo Bhagavatyai Arya Prajnya Paramitayai Arya Avalokiteshvaro Bodhisattva Gambiram Prajnya Paramita Charyam Charamano Vyavaloka Yatisma Panchaskandas Tamscha Svabhavashunyan Pasyatisma Iha Shariputra Rupam Shunyata Shunyataiva Rupam Rupan Napritak Shunyata Shunyataya Napritag Rupam Yad Rupam Sa Shunyata Yashunyata Tad Rupam Evam Eva Vedana Samjana Samskara Vijnanam Iha Shariputra Sarva Dharma Shunyata Lakshana Anutpana Aniruda Amala Avimala Anuna Aparipurna Tasmak Shariputra Shunyata Yam Na Rupam Na Vedana Na Samjana Na Samskara Na Vijnanam Na Chaksu Shrota Grana Jiva Kaya Manamsi Na Rupa Shabda Ganda Raza Shprastavya Dharma Na Chakshur Datur Yavan Na Manovijnana Datu Na Avidya Na Avidya Kashayo Yavan Na Jara Maranam Na Jara Marana Kashayo Na Dukkha Samudaya Niroda Marga Na Janyanam Na Praptir Na Aprapti 
Tasmak Shariputra Apraptitvad Bodhisattvasyasa Prajnya Paramitam Ashrita Viharati Achita Varana Chita Varana Nastitvad Atrasto Viparyasa Atikranto Nishta Nirvana Prapta Triadva Vayavastita Sarva Buddha Prajnya Paramitam Asritya Anutaram Samyak Sambodim Abhisambuddha Tasmaj Janatavyam Prajnya Paramita Maha Mantro Mahavidya Mantro Nutara Mantro Samasama Mantra Sarva Dukkha Prashamana Satyam Amityatvat Prajnya Paramitayam Ukto Mantra Tadyata Gate Gate Paragate Parasamgate Bodhisvaha Iti Prajnya Paramita Hridayam Samaptam. So this comes with a translation also supplied by Roger. And I'm going to go through this and I'm going to talk about what we can learn from this a little bit about how we can do that when we use our thinking mind but a lot more about sort of what is the direct experience? Where's the magic that we can find here? So in doing this, I'm not disrespecting thinking mind. Uh, study is great, uh, but it's not enough. It has to be balanced within the moment practice. So if you've been in the retreat a while, uh, this will be a summary and if you're new, uh, to this approach, it'll be an introduction. <clears throat> so the title is Arya Prajnya Paramita Hridaya Sutra. Arya is noble, Prajnya, wisdom, Paramita, perfection. Hridaya is the heart, center, or core. And Sutra literally means thread and it's a cognate of our word suture because sanskrit is an indo-european language um, and uh, sutra means a discourse of the buddha so noble wisdom perfection heart discourse and this translation of the title is the sutra on the heart of holy perfect wisdom our translation that we use at mzmc calls it the heart of great perfect wisdom sutra so if we want to kind of take a left brain <clears throat> approach to study here we can talk about the meaning and the etymology of the words we can talk about how the meanings of words change over time we can talk about how the word prajnya paramita connects us to that vast uh, body of prajnya paramita sutras because it's the Heart Sutra, we can talk about how it's the essence of all of them. Uh, we could do a whole course just on this title and talk about it endlessly. But what's the magical approach? Well, we have heart in the title. And maybe that's just core or essence, but maybe heart is human, the human heart, love and compassion and passion, human passion. That is in here too. This is not a dry 
philosophy of emptiness. This is about our lives, our passions, and what we do with them. And then in the title, we have um, Prajna Paramita, the perfection of wisdom. Wisdom in the mind, okay? But it's not just in the mind. Uh, if you're in Minneapolis, you can go to the, uh, the uh, uh, Institute of Art, and you can go to their extensive uh, galleries of Buddhist uh, art there. And you can find a statue uh, from the 12th or 13th century. It's made of gray sandstone. It's a female figure who has a wide, serene smile, and she's wearing a long skirt, and her name is Prajna Paramita. Because Prajna Paramita is not only a word that means perfection of wisdom, Prajna Paramita is also a goddess, the goddess of transcendent wisdom and the mother of all Buddhas. So she is wisdom personified. And we can devote ourselves to her. The mother of all Buddhas. We all know about love for our mother, love for the great mother. Things may be empty, but they're not empty of that. That's here and it's all pervasive. It's included. It has to be. This sutra is about deep matters of the heart. The first line, Om Namo Bhagavatyai Arya Prajna Paramita Yai, meaning translated as Om, homage to blessed and holy perfect wisdom. Uh, interestingly, this line is not in our version of the chant which is unfortunate because I think this line is kind of all about the direct experience of the Heart Sutra. Homage is defined as a special honor or respect shown publicly. So we begin with devotion, special honor and respect, not here in the mind, but here in the heart and in the body. When I think of devotion in a spiritual sense, um, I think of an altar. I think of uh, maybe a figure on the altar and uh, an offering of some kind, the light of a candle, some incense, uh, maybe some other things, uh, some flowers. And I think of a bow. And I think of a full bow. I think of a full prostration, which is something I like to do. And I know um, not everyone has that same uh, feeling about full prostrations and about bowing in general. Um, and for some, that feels a bit like submitting to an authority, and it feels uncomfortable. And I get that, especially if you've been mistreated by some authority. Uh, but bowing in that way, I think, can be affirming the radiance of all beings, including ourselves. And maybe that bowing will be a little easier um, at MZMC now that we have a female figure on uh, the altar. Because uh, females, I think, are less likely to have imposed that harm. 
Om Namo Bhagavatyai Arya Prajnya Paramita. So the first word of this version is Om. And it's actually not a word at all. It's a sound, Om. And we know about it. It came from Hinduism. It appears in Buddhism as a mantric symbol. A mantra is something that manifests cosmic forces. It has a use uh, rather than a meaning. And uh, there's this line from Red Pine in his book, The Heart Sutra. Uh, Mantras are knowledge that transcends our normal understanding of knowledge. They are the creation of beings in touch with the underlying vibrations of the mind and the keys that unlock its power through sympathetic harmonics. I love that line. The line's got a beauty and a rhythm that kind of does the stuff it's talking about. So I'm going to read it again. I kind of just realized that. That's why I like this line so much. They are the creation of beings in touch with the underlying vibrations of the mind and the keys that unlock its power through sympathetic harmonics. And when I read that line, I think of uh, something I heard from uh, Phil Lesh, the bassist for the Grateful Dead. And I've quoted him many times, and I'm not sure I've gotten the quote right. What I remember hearing him say was, uh, we don't make the music, we find the music that's already there. And I tried to find that online and I couldn't, so maybe I have that wrong, but I did find an actual quote by him, which is, what you can do is prepare yourself to be open, open for the pipeline and the magic to flow down through us. It means leaving yourself behind. It's not a question of, oh God, don't let me screw up or anything like that. It's a question of, here I am, work me, Lord. I like that. I changed one word in there so as not to use profanity in this. <laughs> so, Om, Om, the power of the universe. No words, no thought, just Om. What you can do is prepare yourself to be open. So, now our version begins, Arya Avalokiteshvaro Bodhisattva Gambiram Prajnya Paramita Charyam Charamano Vyavalokayatisma Panchaskandas Tamscha Svaba Vashunyan Pasyatisma. So, this says that the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara, moving through profound perfect wisdom, looked down and beheld the five aggregates and saw that they are naturally empty. So this introduces uh, the narrator, Avalokiteshvara. It introduces the emptiness doctrine and also the five skandhas. But from a direct uh, experience point of view, uh, the first word of the sutra in most versions and in our version is the name of the bodhisattva of great compassion. 
the hearer of the cries of the world, a figure which is sometimes male, sometimes female, sometimes in between. Um, in preparing for this talk, I looked at the primer on the Heart Sutra by uh, Guy Gibbon, um, which is really good and can be found on our website, along with many other primers. And he said that some people consider it an oddity that Avalokiteshvara is in this sutra at all, because this sutra is about wisdom, and Avalokiteshvara is more often identified with uh, compassion. And I'm thinking, really? That's what you think? Because I think the Heart Sutra is all about compassion. It's all about relief from suffering. Uh, as we will see later, it's freedom from mental obstacles and fear. Compassion and emptiness are the same thing, because emptiness is also interconnection. How can a sutra about emptiness not be about compassion. So the presence of the Bodhisattva as narrator tells us again to open our hearts. Iha Shariputra Rupam Shunyata Shunyataiva Rupam Rupan Napritak Shunyata Shunyataya Napritak Rupam Yad Rupam Sa shunyata ya shunyata tad rupam evam eva vedana samjana samskara vijnanam. This is form is emptiness. Form is emptiness and emptiness form. Not an easy thing to explain simply. But things are empty of an individual existence they have an interconnected existence. And these two things are the same. And I used to think, um, and I could still hold this view sometimes, that this was the heart of the Heart Sutra. I've thought, about, I've thought of that for years because it contains the philosophical core. Form is emptiness and emptiness form. But in light of this retreat, I'm reevaluating a little bit. I think maybe the heart of the Heart Sutra is Gate Gate, the great bright mantra, the magic that breaks through all those millions of words. So, what is the direct experience cognate of this philosophical idea of form and emptiness? Well, I think it's a way of seeing, a way of visually seeing. Um, yesterday, we went on one of our mindfulness walks, and I stopped everyone, and I talked a little bit about the individual trees in the forest and urged everyone to relax their eyes and relax their entire being and see what came to them. And... Um, if you didn't see it, that's okay. That's something you can um, just kind of think about. There's this thing that can possibly happen. And it's about a way of seeing the solidity of things, the rather amazing presence of individual things, of form, while at the same time seeing a kind of non-substantiality of, of the whole. And that's form and 
emptiness. And that's direct experience of it. And that's how I see it. And I don't know, I may be the only one. Maybe it's entirely different for you, but there are ways that we can see form and emptiness and we can experience. And I've heard people talk about that, that they looked at something and they felt that they were the thing. That's another way. It's different from everyone. You just have to open yourself and let it come and see what it is for you. Okay, I need to speed up a little because <laughs> this is a pretty dense uh, sutra. <clears throat> the next part, Oshariputra, all dharmas are marked with emptiness. They are not originated or stopped, not defiled or immaculate, not deficient or complete. This is about not making uh, distinctions, the same as do not choose, the same as accept, be receptive, open your heart. And then we have a, a long paragraph, which I will not read all of, but um, this is the list where the Heart Sutra systematically goes through the Buddha's teachings and says they're not true. For instance, nachaksu shrota grana jiva kaya manamsi. That's no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. So, um, as Ben says, <laughs> I like a religion that tells you that all of its basic principles are not true. <laughs> now that may sound like kind of a lack of confidence in what we're teaching, <laughs> but that is not what's going on. Um, nothing that we can put into words can really be true. It's always going to reduce the actual thing to an idea about a thing. It's always going to be approximate. The recipe is never going to be the actual food. We have to always remember that. So we can't exalt the Buddha's teachings too much or exalt our ideas about the forms we follow or exalt anything. We have to constantly question everything. <clears throat> so here, <clears throat> excuse me, we negate the six elements of perception, the six sense objects, the six sense consciousnesses, the 12 links of dependent origination, and the four noble truths, after having negated the five skandhas in the first paragraph. So this applies to the Buddha's complex teachings, but it also applies to our moment-to-moment -moment existence, and that is the direct experience of it. Whatever comes in, we can negate it. Whatever our conscious mind is bringing in, and we all know this very well from meditation, we can, we can let it go again. We can recede from the thinking mind and go toward the non-thinking mind. So uh, time comes in, no time. Fear comes in, no fear. No evening plans, no annoyance with traffic. No, I wonder what kind of bird that is singing. No this and no that. So we negate the 10,000 things in real time as they come up. 
Tasmak Shariputra Apraptitvad Bodhisattvasya Prajnya Paramitam Ashritya Viharati Achita Varana Chita Varana Nastitvad Atrasto Viparyasa Atikranto Nishta Nirvana Prapta. The translation of this begins. I'll read it um, right off the paper here. Therefore, O Shariputra, because of their non-attainment, bodhisattvas who have relied on perfect wisdom dwell free from mental obstacles. That's a typo. It's supposed to be mental obstacles. And I always thought that was pretty funny. No metal obstacles, no wooden <laughs> obstacles, no cardboard <laughs> obstacles. And... Um, Red Pine says that this section summarizes the career of the Bodhisattva. And I always thought of it as a statement of what is open to me and to all of us. Uh, a path open to us, no fear, no mental obstacles, no mental obstacles. And I really wanted that. Um, and that was based on need. But this paragraph in bringing back Bodhisattva Prajnya Paramita, and talking about bodhisattvas who have relied on perfect wisdom, the Heart Sutra again tells us to go to the heart, to compassion, not our own personal needs. I mean, we have compassion for that too, but not to be completely ruled by our own needs. Triadva via vastita sarva buddha prajnya paramitam asritya anuttaram samyak sambodham abhi sam buddha. Uh, all the buddhas residing in the three times have relied on perfect wisdom, so they are manifestly awake to unexcelled perfect enlightenment. So this translation is relied on perfect wisdom. And I think that's a little flat and maybe a little bit cold. Red Pine translates it as all Buddhas, past, present, and future, also take refuge in Prajna Paramita. So they take refuge in the goddess. And that's a bit of a different feeling, I think. The next line translates as therefore one should know perfect wisdom's great mantra, the great knowledge mantra, the unexcelled mantra, the incomparable mantra, the pacifier of all suffering, true because it is inerrant. And basically this line is extolling the virtues of the mantra that is about to come. And it seems a little out of place to me in a sutra that tells us not to make distinctions, and not to take anything, even the Buddha's teachings, as true. Um, to know that even the Buddha's teachings are empty. And suddenly we're talking about how great this mantra is. And it's incomparable. It's better than all the other mantras. <laughs> it's a, a little evangelical, a little propaganda-ish. Um, but that's okay. Because who needs to even pay attention to the meaning of the words when you have something this beautiful? Tasmaj Janyatavyam, Prajnya Paramita, Maha Mantra, Mahavidya Mantra, 
Nutara Mantra, Samasama Mantra, Sarva Dukkha Prashamana Satyam Amityatvat. You get it when I read it in Sanskrit, right? It's a celebration. It's joyful. We don't need to worry about the meaning. Enough said about that. And then we've got Prajnya Paramitayam Ukto Mantra. The mantra was spoken by perfect wisdom. Tadyata, it goes like this. Gate, gate, paragate, parasamgate, bodhisvaha. Gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond, enlightenment, so be it. Or as I translate, svaha, whoo, <laughs> to use actually Tim's phrase. So here is the mantra. Manifesting cosmic forces, something we use rather than understand to break through the words. And this mantra, I think, I like to think of as the heart of the heart sutra. And you can use it. You can do this practice. The sutra says you should use it because this translation includes one line at the end, which is not in our version. So it's bookended by these two lines, one at the beginning and one at the end that we don't have. And that last line is, iti prajnya paramita hridayam samaptam. And that means this completes the heart of perfect wisdom, which I always thought was just kind of a wrap up. Well, we did that, <laughs> but, but no, the mantra completes the Heart Sutra. It is incomplete without it. You need the magic. And that's what I have to say this morning. Thank you so much for your kind attention. It is wonderful being here with you all in the Zendo and the folks at the MZMC Zendo and everybody on Zoom. I just love being here with you. So I will turn this back to uh, MZMC, to our esteemed Doan. Thank you very much.